I'm Kurt, I'm a parent, and this is the Parent Skills Podcast. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Parent Skills Podcast. This is Kurt Johnson, and you might be hearing some people in the background, a little bit of noise, and that is because for this particular episode, I am out of town. I'm at the National Youth Workers Convention. It's an annual convention with about 5,000 youth pastors, youth volunteers from every conceivable denomination on the face of the planet. And we have been doing a bunch of different live podcasts and stuff. And so I'm using their gear as a favor to do this episode of the Parent Skills Podcast. So pay no attention to the crowd noise in your ears. Um, Hey, today I am so thrilled to have as our guest, our first woman guest, and I apologize, it's taken us like four episodes, but I wanted to save our first female for Tasha LaVere. Tasha and I have known each other for, I think, about 15 years. Her husband, Tim, is a youth pastor. Tasha is a counselor. She specializes in adolescent development and marriages and all that good stuff. And here's what I'm going to say, moms and dads, parents out there. um, This is one of those episodes that's going to make you squirm a little bit. It might make your defenses get up a little bit. Um, But do me a favor and listen to this whole episode. I think if you'll let it, this could be one of those moments where um, through Tasha, God whispers some stuff and nudges you in some really important directions as as a parent. So we'll be right back with my good friend, Tasha LaVere. All right. Well, welcome back to the Parent Skills Podcast. Tasha, how you doing? Doing good. Excited to be here. Tasha, do you remember how we met? Yeah, man. We met in Alaska. Crazy. You you and Tim were worship leaders at a camp, and I was a speaker. Yep. And And I saved you from a bear attack. You saved me from a bear attack. I did, yeah. Um, I went fishing with your husband a couple times in a little pontoon airplane thing. Thought we were going to die. Um, and we didn't know each other before that point. I had never no. heard of you guys. You had never heard of me. We were just, you guys were two youth pastors and we were there and we met in Alaska and we have been really good friends ever since. And we only see each other a couple times a year because you live in the wonderful, amazing state of South Carolina. No, North, North, North yeah. Carolina. Sorry. I always, get, I always get those. It's those the two. same. It's, it's practically sort of, the yeah. same. It'd you be know. like if Southern California and if California splits into two, yeah. Southern and Northern, and they're two, then people will get them confused like that all the time. Totally. Well, Tasha, um, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Why don't you just give um, our our listeners, and by listeners, I mean this this podcast is mostly Saddleback Church moms and dads. There's probably a few other people that listen from time to time. It's mostly our church parents. Why don't you give them just the the one minute version of your family and all that good stuff. Yeah, so um, Tim, he's a youth pastor in uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we've been married for 24 years. We have four teenagers, um, 18, 17, 16, and 14, and so, and we're still surviving and living to tell about it, so, yeah. Three three girls. Three girls and a boy. And a boy. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. And living to tell about it, still smiling. Yeah. You, you and Tim. It's a good time. Probably out of all my friends and everybody I know, you you may have the most overall positive outlook towards life and mm. parenting of, of anybody I've ever met. And not because it's been easy. No. Um, and, and not because you're a trained counselor specializing in adolescence and he's a youth pastor. I'm sure that helps. I'm, I'm sure it But my helps. kids don't care. But your kids no, don't care. They don't care. And I'm sure it's 
the same for you as it is for me, and maybe even more, because both of you are quote-unquote adolescent specialists, how often all of our training, all of our experience, all of our expertise goes out the door when it's our own kids. And we're just trying to raise kids ourselves and trying to get through another day yeah. and help them develop and grow and mature. And it's so much easier to do that for everybody else's kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often have some of your counseling techniques not worked in your own home? Well, quite a few times. And because of that, I've changed my counseling techniques. Interesting. And I've changed the way I talk to parents. Yeah. And I changed the way I talk to students yeah. because it's it's super easy to have a theory you know before we all had kids we all said the things right. our kids would never do right. and then sure enough oh man they do it and so i think you know in the same way i think as a parent i've enjoyed you know watching my kids grow um, but because of them there's been a lot of their influence on me that's made me grow right gosh it is so funny how how much of our assumptions and my kids will never be like that, or I'll never be that dad. Exactly. I'll never be that mom. Mm-hmm. How judgmental we all were before we had kids, right? Well, being a parent was really simple. It sure was. Before I was one. <laughs> it was so much easier. Yeah. Okay, Tasha, we're, we, we try to keep these podcasts pretty short so yeah. that moms or dads can listen to them on the way to work or on the treadmill, mm-hmm. um, at the gym, or whatever the case may be, drinking a coffee at Starbucks for a few minutes. And I mentioned earlier in the intro yeah. that this could be a yeah. topic that, that causes our parents to, to, as I said, squirm. It may just make them feel a little bit defensive. They might kind of buck up a little bit against this, which is why I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're going to talk about today a little bit is, um, well, I, I, I use the word resilience, but that's not the word you use when we were talking earlier. What was the word that you used? Coping. Helping your 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 teenagers or your kids mm-hmm. learn to cope. Yeah. Develop coping skills. Right. Um, and so and you've got some great insights. And so here's what I want to do. Oftentimes in these shows, these podcasts, they're a little bit more of a back and forth interview. Yeah. I'm going to let you kind of go to town for a few minutes. And if I feel like interjecting, I'll interject. Okay. But I want you just to take the mic for the next five or 10 minutes and, and do your thing. Okay. Okay. So here's my heart. Um, I'm a mom and I feel like there's a lot of of critical parenting labels that get attached to moms. Things like hover mom or lawnmower mom or helicopter mom. You don't hear that about dads. I don't know I don't know the labels y'all get, just dad, you know. Um, but anyway, and so, and then I feel like it's kind of joked about or criticized. And uh, it's hard enough to be a mom. I think we walk around with mom guilt all the time. And the reality, I think most moms are really trying to do their very best for their kids. Yeah. Would you put mama bear in that same category? Mama as, bear as, is it definitely another that's, label. That's another one of those labels yeah, yeah. that we hear all the time. Yeah. Sometimes self like mm-hmm. self-labeled, hey, I'm a, I'm a mama bear. My mama bear came out. Exactly. And yeah. now it's got like a cute logo and you can buy mama bear t-shirts and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And um, I get it, you know, but I think that only in America. Only in America, you know. <laughs> if you can, if you can put on a T-shirt, then somebody's gonna put it on a T-shirt. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so, so here's the deal. I think that most moms are desperately trying. Parents, really, both most parents are desperately trying to provide the best life that they can for their kids. And there is this incredible pressure, um, I think, to just provide 
this amazing life. And I think sometimes what it turns out to are maybe some of those stereotypical helicopter mom symptoms. And so my heart today is not to criticize or label or make fun of or judge. My heart is to encourage and empower parents to maybe consider something different, okay. meaning specifically. Yep. Now, just in case there are some parents who they, they've not heard those, those terms, um, just give us like the quick 30 second catch all description of what are you talking about when you say a mama bear, a helicopter mom, a, a lawnmower parent, like kind of what's the general, what, what, what are all of those labels kind of getting at? The general is um, they are going to try to create a, a life um, around their child's preferences specifically so and I mean it can be to maybe they're providing a completely different menu they are requiring a completely different curriculum from teachers they are you know just whatever that child's preference is I do think parents feel the pressure and the responsibility to make sure that they provide that okay so is it an oversimplification to say it's parents who are inserting themselves into the life of their child in, in areas that maybe 30, 20, 10 years ago, parents weren't as likely to. So they've sort of expanded their parental sphere, sphere into a lot of arenas in their attempt to help their child live the life that they want to live or the life that they want for their child. Yes. Is that, is that kind of I, I think they're inserting themselves into those arenas in a, in a, with the hopes of making sure that preferences are met okay. and their child is always comfortable. Gotcha. Always comfortable. Okay. So keep going. Expand on this because that's so interesting. And so, so, here, so here's my bottom line. And, and so let's, let's just kind of jump from this. Okay. And again, my heart is to encourage, not to criticize. But I do see with women specifically, a lot of women who are depressed and anxious and isolated and exhausted, okay? And I do think it's from trying to manage the grind of meeting all these preferences, right? I don't think that God is calling us to make sure our kids are always comfortable. I think God is calling us to provide opportunities under our umbrella and under our just family unit, you know, to learn to cope. And the only way we can provide those opportunities for kids is to teach them, and they do need to be taught, to become their own advocates, to use their own voice, and to problem solve in, in real time. And yes, can we do that better than them? We sure can. We absolutely can. But if we don't provide the opportunity under our care to learn those skills, then they launch okay. without having those skills. Yeah. So give me some give me some really practical examples of that. Okay, I'll give or, you a great or one. analogies. Sure. Or and I think it starts before teenage. So like um, uh, my daughter, when she was in third grade, she's a, a theater kid. She's funny. She's um, but she's a rule follower, so she's not a class clown. Right. Okay, um, never a discipline problem. Right. But she gets excited about school and learning and raises her hand every time. Yeah. You know, it's time yeah. the teacher, and um, and so I guess she was pretty enthusiastic. So she, she's that kid. She's yeah, she's that kid. <laughs> And, um, uh, but anyway, and so I guess the teacher was not necessarily, she wouldn't have labeled that behavior as enthusiastic like maybe I would. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. 
And um, so she looked at my daughter and she said, Ashton, and she made a gesture with her hand. She said, mute, and kind of pushed a button. And then every time for the rest of the day when Ashton would raise her hand, she would say, mute. And I got to tell you, now, I got a little southern up in that moment. I'm not trying to play. The southern mama bear came out. That's exactly. And my temptation was to just blast her with an email and help her understand there are a lot of ways to manage, you know, class, culture, and maybe mute isn't one of them. But instead, I was like, well, Ashton, all right, let's talk about this. Well, what if... What if you went and you talked to, we're going to call her Miss Smith. What if you went and talked to Miss Smith and said, hey, Miss Smith, you know, it, it kind of hurts my feelings a little bit when you say that. Like, wh- what, would, what, are you, what would you like me to do differently? And we practiced, and she said it in her own little words. And, um, and so we were like, awesome. And so the next day she went to school and she talked to Miss Smith, and Miss Smith was like, oh, my goodness, Ashton. I didn't mean it that way at all. But you know what? I can see how that would hurt your feelings. Like, you're a great kid. I'm so glad that you're you actually want to answer my questions and I and so I learned that day that um, number one my third grader can be her own advocate and number two I learned that Miss Smith is probably more receptive to my daughter right. than she would have been to me right. and your daughter you know face to face is yep. always better than the email yep but as Absolutely. a parent as a, as a mom it would have been so much quicker easier protector mm-hmm. protective to fire that email off but and it might but have I just feel shut like we down think that's i think most of us as moms we feel like that's what we're supposed that's, to that's do your role. that's your role that's being a good mom right like i'm supposed to protect my daughter from this right. and i feel like i did protect my daughter from this but i i created an opportunity for her to use her own voice yeah. and be her own advocate wow. but i do think we feel pressure to send the email. Yeah. You, you you used the analogy earlier when we were just hanging out talking about stuff, about Thanksgiving dinner, yeah. and you kind of use that as the analogy of what we're inadvertently doing to our children by not helping them on their own learn to cope. Right, right. So, um, I, you know, it's, it's that time of year a little bit, you know. And so um, I remember the first time I had to actually cook our Thanksgiving meal you know and I've eaten a Thanksgiving meal my entire life and I've eaten a Thanksgiving meal my entire life with my grandma and my mom and um, when I realized it's my turn I realized Oh, I, I have to have that dish, or it's not, you know, grandma's when, when you, a like specific. The first time you were, I had to cook. Yeah, had to cook. yeah. It yeah. was like I was in charge, and um, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you do too. Yes. If if you don't have this, whatever yep. it is, it's not Thanksgiving. Right. It's just heresy, right. and you yes. know, you might yes. as well just go straight to Christmas. And so anyway, um, so I realized, oh my goodness, it's my turn, and to cook dinner, and so. I did, I did what, what most of us do. I call my grandma and I was like, how do I make it? What do I do? Now, here, now here's the analogy. I've spent my whole life seeing my mother and my grandmother make this meal. I've eaten the meal. I've experienced the meal. I've lived in the meal, right? Yeah. But I didn't know how to do it until they, I had the opportunity and until they showed me and told me how. Mm. And I do think with coping, it's a lot like that Thanksgiving meal. Kids don't learn how to cope just naturally. It's, it's a teaching moment. And it's messy and it's scary and, you know, but 
it's an incredible opportunity. And I think most of the time it works out better right. when they do it. Right. So had you sent the email mm -hmm. on behalf of your daughter, yeah. she would have missed it or and you would have missed an opportunity for mm -hmm. her to sort of learn a, 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 a an early age version, yeah. a, a pretty small consequence version of, of coping and, right. and, and handling your own conflicts and being your own advocate. It, it, it's an example of you, you, you miss the opportunity to say, hey, watch watch me for a little bit. I've been cooking the mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving. This year you're doing it. Right. Right. It's a, that's, that's the analogy. Well, and think about it from this perspective. So my daughter went to school the next day with a plan and her own solution. She didn't have to worry about, well, what did my mom say? And is the teacher mad at me? And is she mad at my mom now? And what are we going to say? Like she didn't have any of those anxieties. Right. She walked in the class with a solution, an opportunity to talk with a supportive adult and resolve her own problem. Yeah. And as I play this out, Tasha, I, I feel uh, my, myself, I feel a little bit convicted, you know, because mom, moms aren't the only ones that do that. You know, I mean, dads, dads come to the defense of their kids all the time. It might look different with a dad. It's why'd you take my son? Why'd you pull him off the mound in the third inning? Right. He could have gone five and he, they're in the face of the coach because, man, if my sixth grade son doesn't pitch those extra two innings and they play out this long game of how it's going to affect their major league career someday or, or whatever. Um, but it still applies. It's I have still a 17 year old. Applies. I have a 17 year old son who lives, you know, who plays baseball. Right. OK, and we have that scenario. And it's 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 one thing if I call or if Tim, you know, emails that coach instead. I'm like, all right, Ben, well, you want to know why you're not playing? Respectfully go to your coach and say, coach, what do I need to work on? Now, here's a scenario. It could either be me and my mama bear self walking up to that coach, or it could be my son. Now, how do you think this, this coach perceived my son now? Right? And so here's a kid who's saying, who's humbling themselves and positioning themselves to experience truth from their coach well and he had some things you need to work on this this and this it's interesting it's interesting um, my daughter our oldest child is now 25 married to one of our youth pastors at the church and so six years ago seven years ago when she was moving into the Christian University they had like parent move-in weekend. Yeah. Now I'm not sure about you, but I'm of the generation that when I went away to college, I loaded up my Volkswagen van and yeah. my mom and dad said, okay, we'll see at Christmas time. And I drove to college. Yeah. And then it morphed to mom and dad will drive you to the dorm and help you unpack. And now it's morphed to, we're gonna have parent weekend. Rachel and I stayed at a hotel and we attended stuff at the school for two days. Yeah. And it had a question and answer time for parents. And Tasha, the, the wow, it's like something's going on in here. Yeah, it's we, exciting. It's exciting. I think they like our podcast. Are they cheering for us? Yeah, totally. Um, but in this Q&A session, the questions that parents were asking of the university were questions that as a youth pastor, I'm used to getting from junior high parents sending their kids to summer camp. And so the way culture has kind of shifted over the years, um, and it makes it it makes it tough. And every parent in there, and it was parents about you know who's going to do this for my child, what if this happens to my child, who do they get to call, and and the motives were all wonderful and awesome, but, and I mean at the time I kind of thought this is weird, this doesn't feel right, 
but I never really labeled it as we haven't helped our kids learn how to problem solve on their own, be self-sufficient, cook their own Thanksgiving dinner. We've, we've mama bared and papa bared and helicopter parented and protected because we love our kids. So much so that even as an 18 or 19 year old college freshman, the universe, I pulled the guy running the event aside and I said, hey, tell me how this event has changed in the last 10 years. And he paused and he said, Mr. Johnston, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have ever thought of even having this event. But today, parents won't send their kids to our school if we don't have this kind of on-ramp that makes a mom and dad feel super comfortable about what they're sending their child to. And it's not all bad, but it's, 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 um, it's an indicator of how, as a, as a culture, we've kind of moved into this, you know, well, I'm gonna do whatever it takes from, from, to help my kids' preferences be met, or my own preferences for my kid, because that's, that's the other side of it. Like, I, I, kind of, I kind of get like, I wanna help my son's dreams come true, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do whatever I can do to help him win. And I, I think that is a role of our parent. Now, how we do that, right? You, you helped your daughter win. How she won with her parent was totally different than mom sending the email. And then the other side of that, and I think this is maybe where it's more damaging, we don't need to go down this rabbit trail. It might just be something for our, our listeners to think about is, is our helicoptering and our protecting and our not helping them learn to cope is it because we have a version, we, we have a life that we want for our kid? And you know, they, whether they want it or not, we're gonna make sure they get this life, um, which is kind of why the, the whole point of our Saddleback Parents ministry or emphasis isn't to try to help parents have their kids live this, this, the, the, the life they've always dreamed of. You know, they'll, they'll never be a podcast, how to get your kid into the college of their dreams. There won't be, because our whole goal is, hey, mom and dad, maybe your role as a parent is just to help your child become an, in, an interdependent. They can, they can stand on their own two feet. They can pull themselves up by their bootstraps if they need to, but they also understand they, they need community and they need each other. Interdependent, lifelong follower of Jesus who wants to make a kingdom contribution. Like that, that's the goal. And it's more likely, I think, it's more likely for those things to happen if we help them develop some of these skills along the way of coping and resiliency and problem solving and be, the, the phrase you used earlier, helping our kids be their own advocate, I, I'd never heard that. So before we wrap up, um, give us just a few other real practical, like super tangible, what are some, maybe some practices that a mom or a dad can go, okay, I'm gonna start doing these little things to help me as a parent, um, to, to help me maybe helicopter a little less, be a little bit more comfortable with letting my kid feel pain and consequences and disappointment, because all of that stuff is, this is all under the same kind of umbrella. So give us some little tools that we can begin tinkering with in our efforts to, to, to do this. Okay, well, let me back up just a little bit just to be clear. So, yes, my goal, my value is I want my kids to have a voice and know how to use it in an appropriate way. Right. Okay? And not need the energy of anger to do it. Okay? okay? And so I can say 90% of the time I've sent, you know, kids, my kids in, and we've I've 
we talked about how they're going to approach a teacher or coach or whatever, and that's worked out really well 90% of the time. The 10% of the time that it hasn't, that's when I've gone and gotten involved. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so you're not. So I'm not completely hands off. Right. No. Right. And at that point, it's an adult to adult conversation, and I don't roll in Mama Bear. Now right. I might be direct. Right. And you might be Mama Bear on the inside. Right. But I really try to temper that because I do feel like still yeah. that teacher is a human being who's yeah. a child of God. That is not my enemy. That's not my child's enemy. Right. But we need right. to maybe reconsider. I love it. You know. I love it. And, and I, so, so there is. It's not like yeah. completely hands off. And, and, and by the way, I'm going to give one of the tips because mm-hmm. you just gave a tip without meaning to. One of the little tools and tips is look at the percentages. Yeah. Instead of being 90% mama bear, 10% let them figure it out. Mm-hmm. What if you begin to shift? those percentages so hey what if for the next six months you go okay I'm gonna be 75% mama bear I'm gonna back off a little bit and help them and eventually you know the the, the percentages shift to their they are mostly sort of navigating life on their own which by the way is sort of how the development when you have a five-year-old you better be 90% mama bear for a five-year-old you know a five-year-old can tell a teacher this hurt my kindergartner can say can I please, can I please move? Can you move my desk? Yep. You know, or, you know, um, can I please, you know, yes. there are certain things that even as yes. a kindergartner, you Mrs. can. Mrs. Smith, I didn't get a know, cupcake yesterday and I felt left out as it, opposed to the yeah, mom marching exactly. and saying. <laughs> and so your five-year-old uses okay. a voice with yeah. you. That yes. same yes, five-year-old can use a voice with And I will say this too. Now, this has happened to me recently. My 14-year-old, you know, there's a problem in the class. She's not unsafe, but it is inappropriate what's happening, and it does make her feel uncomfortable. And so I encourage her, okay, I want you to go talk to a teacher that you like, you know, that you trust. Right. And she's opted not to. Ah. And so right now I'm allowing her to experience then the consequence, yeah. either good or bad, because of conflict because avoidance. Because it's, so, it's not so extreme no. that you have to step in. No, it's not. It's inappropriate and it's uncomfortable, but yep. it's not like yep. harassment or right. Right. anything. Like, and so it's not from the teacher. Her, it's so from another her, classmate. And so you're letting her feel the pain. Of, conflict, of hey, conflict avoidance. You have, a choi- you have a choice to make. You can confront it or you can avoid it. Uh-huh. I, and wow. it may, honestly, it right. may turn out to be easier that she just lets it go. Right. Okay? But that's her. I'm not going to go behind her and go, I'm doing this. I'm going to allow her to experience that. And so that, you know, so that's kind of the fact I would say, um, you know, just in, in helping kids, um, develop their own voice. If they are, if they're a middle school and high school and there's, they're resisting things like ordering in a restaurant, then I'm going to require it. Cause here's what I know. Avoidance increases anxiety. Solution reduces it. They can order their food. And I'm going to sit right there with them, but they can do these things. And I'm going to provide the opportunity for them to feel that sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Because when, I think when we over-function for our kids, then they grow up. They, turn, they get 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and then we start making fun of them. Right. You right. know? And because we're expecting them wow. to have behaviors yeah. that they haven't been get, given the opportunity to develop. It's like their growth has been stunted. And then we're frustrated because we know how we acted, yeah. right? But yeah. I think we have a better is, memory of our is, is Is there a phrase, does this phrase, does this phrase exist? Because I feel like maybe I just invented a really cool phrase. Oh, that's gonna be so, but, we can do a hashtag. Me, but tell me, over-parenting. 
Oh, totally. That, yeah. That, that's, that's a common phrase. Like I don't know that it's a common phrase, but I do think over-parenting, over-functioning, um, taking on... Uh, here's my bottom line. I'm As a therapist, my value is I am going to work hard for my clients, but I am not going to work harder on anybody's problem than they are. And that includes my kids. And so my daughter who she's choosing to not confront, not use her voice, that's her choice. I'm not gonna work harder on this than she is. And honest, now she as a 14 year old doesn't have the judgment I have. And if it gets to the point where it's out of hand, then I'll get involved. You know what I mean? And we'll deal with learning this later. So we're gonna wrap this up. This is just a little bit longer than normal, but mostly because I kept interrupting you and not letting you go. <laughs> but you're saying such good stuff. My wheels are turning. My wheels are spinning. Um, and I, 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 here's what I'm going to ask our parents to do that are listening to this podcast. I think this is one of those that's worth listening to a couple times because you didn't give us, hey, here's the four easy steps to be less helicoptery. Here's the three silver bullets to raising kids who can cope. You didn't do that. But Largely, I talk about my value. But you talk about your value. Yeah. And there, you, you had 15 little gold nuggets that you were just dropping all over this. And that's, that's why I kept kind of like chomping at the bit. <laughs> um, so parents, thank you for listening. Here's the deal. I love how Tasha started out. She said, look, her heart is not to condemn or to shame. Um, you know, the whole reason we started Saddleback Parents is because we understand it is tough yeah. to be a mom or a dad. I mean, we we didn't know what we were signing up for. We, we, we thought we did, but we had no idea. And the world is crazy. And it's crazier for our kids than it was for us. Yeah. And it was crazier for the... Uh, raising kids in today's world is tougher and scarier than any other generation. I'm convinced of that. And so it's natural to fight for them. Mm-hmm. It's natural to advocate for them. It's natural to, in some ways, prolong the adolescent development, all that, because like we we gotta we gotta protect. And so I get that the the need to address this topic, and we just scratch the surface. Is there anything you would? Is there a book you would recommend a parent reading or anything? That if there's a mom or dad who go, man, how do I dig a little bit more deeply into this topic? I should have asked you that beforehand and not put you on the spot like that. Um, I would say uh, Trophy Child. Trophy Child. By, um, is it Ted Cunningham? I don't know. I know the title is Trophy, Tie, uh, Trophy Child. Trophy Child. And I'm pretty sure Cunningham, Ted Cunningham, okay. something along those lines. Okay. Yeah, Tro- I'm going totally on memory. I got a mom yeah. brain, so. Trophy dude. Child. Trophy Child. Yeah. That title totally tells us what that book's about. Yeah, but it was empowering for me. Yeah. Like, because I feel guilty all the time. I have mom guilt. So yeah. I, I think I'm, I think I hover out of guilt yeah. and thinking this is what's best. Yep. You know. Guilt and fear? Yeah, absolutely yeah. guilt and fear. Yeah. I just don't want to mess them up like every other mom. That's why my heart is, my heart is not to criticize. My heart is to empower and encourage, you know, and give you an opportunity to to live in, to experiencing parenting in a way that's that's fun and effective. Tasha, thank yeah. you so much. Hey, everybody, thanks, for, thanks for thanks for listening. As a reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast on Podbeans or iTunes. It's always on the SaddlebackParents.com website. Two minute tips, the on track parenting, the book summaries, all that stuff. 
I'm going to try to, is, is, is Trophy Parents from a faith-based perspective Trophy at Child, all? yes. Trophy Child. Mm-hmm. We'll do a book summary on Trophy Child and put it up on the website. Um, hey, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time around. <laughs>